Hello everybody and welcome to Fortress Comic News episode 85. This week, no mic, but I was able to schedule two interviews for you this week. So I hope you'll enjoy them. We've got Patrick Trehe from Alterna Comics who wrote a book called The Twelve. A really good kind of post-apocalyptic uh, journey uh, book with a lot of cool moments in it. It's going to be on Kickstarter soon for the trade or you can go on to their Etsy website and find it there. And then I also brought a good friend of mine who's been creating comics for 10 years now, Mr. Joe Pangrazio. Uh, you know him from Cthulhu Homes as well as Zombie Barbecue and a bunch of other stuff throughout the years. And you can find him on Twitch doing video game stuff. He's all over the place. And he's got some cool stories to tell about different comics people in our area and just what it's like to be a comic creator. So I hope you all enjoy this week. Next week, Mike will be back, and we can talk about Preacher and all the other great news and some not-so-great news of the past couple weeks. So thank you all for watching. Remember, you can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter, or you can find the show at FCN underscore official. Remember to head over to FortressComicNews.com. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, five-star reviews are appreciated. They help us find more ears for people to listen to us and you can go to YouTube and subscribe to us, uh, thumb up the video and comment down below. So once again, thanks for watching and enjoy the interviews. See if I can do the camera. There we go. Cool. So is the last name Trahe? Trahe. Trahe. Yep. So basically, well, I'm going to cut you into the middle of the show, so we'll do a quick little intro, and then we'll just start chatting. Cool. Sounds good. So welcome back, everybody. Today we have an uh, awesome guest with us, uh, writer of The Twelve. Uh, welcome to the show, Patrick Trahe. 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 There you go. Me and names, man. I'm awful. How are you doing today? <laughs> Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. So, we normally start off these conversations by just, you know, talking about your, your kind of your secret origin. So, what got you into comics? Uh, what got you into writing comics? Tell my uh, listeners that story. Um, well, I'm I actually sort of a, uh, an unusual story in that I didn't grow up reading comics. I didn't start reading comics till I was older. Um, I was in college for writing. I took a course in writing. Um, and then I decided to go back to college to get a degree in fiction uh, and kind of stumbled into comics. There was a comics writing class. And once I tried that, never really looked back. Um, and I got into reading comics and got to know comics people. But I grew up on video games, and I feel like that was a pretty easy leap from video games to comics. Yeah, those are my two parallels. <laughs> yeah. Especially, uh, especially in yeah. the Neversoft days when we were playing like the Spider-Man game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that one. But yeah, I, like there were so many good video games, so that's sort of what got me into the whole like nerdy nerd world. Yeah, there's definitely like a connection there. I mean, you do see a lot of video games getting comic either adaptations or continuations of the stories and so on yeah absolutely so the 12 mm -hmm. explain the book to my my listeners what's the the pitch for it sure the 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 quick pitch is um it's a story of a secretive group called the 12 who are rebuilding society in the ruins of chicago um which is where I'm from. The first book in the series is uh, is the story of Caleb, who's a father of five. He was um, struggling to keep his family going on a desolate plot of land. And uh, as winter is approaching, they're forced out onto the dead roads in search of greener pastures. Um, so that's the quick pitch. Um, I've said that maybe a few times. <laughs> <laughs> We do a lot of conventions and end up saying those 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 like paragraphs like hundreds of times. 
So they are like deeply committed to memory. <laughs> yes. So I mean, where did where did the story come from? Is this something that's been with you for a while, or? Um, it kind of all came out of a drawing that I did a long time ago. Um, I'm not the artist of the of the story. I'm the writer. Um, the artist is a guy named Luis Suarez. Uh, but I used to draw a lot. I drew a lot when I was a kid, um, all the way up until college. And I think at some point I realized that like, I felt like my art wasn't like good enough to build a career on it. So then I kind of ended up switching to writing and I felt like I was better at that. Um, but anyways, I drew this picture a long time ago of these like gas masked men, um, like looming over the sky um and i decided to write it out and that kind of became the first scene that was like the first five pages of the book and once i had written that um kind of just kept expanding on it and more and more ended up writing the first issue and then i was like well what happens to this family after that ended up writing the first book um and at that point i was i was going to stop like that was going to be the whole the whole thing um but I ended up writing way more than that. So, <laughs> yeah. So the, the the first book, the what published, what uh, Alternus Publishing, is issues one through five, um, and then, you know, hopefully more. I think we're gonna do more. But uh, but yeah, that's the that's the first book in the series. So you found success with Alterna in this uh, book? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the sales have been pretty good. So. You know, I think we're going to continue on with it. Um, we we started art on uh, the next the next project, um, so you know that's underway. So I'm pretty excited. That's awesome, man. So are, can we be expecting uh, some sort of trade coming up? Yeah. So the the first the first trade will come out in December. Um, that's issues one through five, uh, and then. We're gonna have more coming out um, at a later date. We haven't determined that yet, but that's in the works. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, your art team. How how did you guys hook up? Um, there. Were, so I I found them uh, online actually through a website called Digital Webbing Forum, which is like a, a forum for. Uh, you know, freelance artists who are looking for work. Um, I had been through like several different artists at that point, like trying to work with um, with like random people that I had found throughout the city, and like it didn't work out. Uh, but then I just put up an ad on Digital Webbing Forum and got like a ton of hits, and uh, Luis was the best one. So that was that. Yeah, I liked his style. His style was the best, but like most importantly, he was like super consistent and just like and really reliable, which is hard to find in an artist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so, it's so cool that nowadays it's just put something up on the internet and you have or, uh, replies within the hour. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, he's he's like it, it's crazy because he he lives in Spain. Like I've, we've never actually met in person. Um, so, you know, I mean, the, the, the power of the internet, you know? Yes. So, I mean, going back to your origin a little bit, it's kind of interesting because most of the people we talk to, as a matter of fact, pretty much all of them have been lifelong comic people. So yeah. my big question for you is, is comics appealing for you to tell original stories or is there any draw for you or real like need to do something that's more typical comics like a superhero book or maybe even do something for marvel or dc or is that kind of like you just want to do your own thing um i'm, I'm kind of more in the like do my own thing camp like mm -hmm. i mean it would be cool to work for them uh but that's not really my goal um I don't know. I mean, if it came up like down the line, it'd be it'd be cool, but it's not really like something I'm shooting for. 
because like I I've got the twelve going on, and I have other projects that I want to work on too. Like I've got some other stories in my back pocket that I want to that I want to put in the works. You know, um, because I, I feel like comic fans is you know especially like I said, most of us are lifelong and uh, have read a bunch of Marvel DC. That's what we grew up on. And you, you always have that, like, pitch in your back pocket, like, oh, man, if Marvel is in front of me, I have the Captain America story or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting to find someone who didn't grow up on all that and uh, maybe doesn't have as close of a connection to those characters as we do. I mean, yeah, I guess not. Like, I I, I was definitely, like, I grew up on the Batman animated series. And, you know, I like, I watched, I watched, uh, I watched like the Justice League and I watched uh, Spider-Man and all that when I was a kid. But I don't have like the deep connection to the superhero comics cuz like like it's it's kind of intimidating like getting into it later in life cuz then it's like where do you start? Like it's like decades worth of stories and people are like, "Oh, you like check out this guy's run and this guy's run." And I'm like, "I don't even know where." <laughs> yeah, but I really it's funny when I talk to people about that because you say it in that way and I have the same exact I feel the same exact way I just have a much more optimistic point of view for it whereas like you say oh it's there's so much where do I start and I say there's so much man I can't wait to start on all this <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I don't want to like it that's great like that's that's better it's just I don't know. Like, there's there's too much. There's so much to choose. I I I I've read a couple like superhero comics. I prefer to go for ones that are like uh like a full arc. Like, you know, um, like like ones that aren't ongoing. Um, like um, like Killing Joke or something like that, where you can like just sit down and read the whole graphic novel and then like that's it. Um. But like, like I, I, I guess I'm not into like huge, like long series. Continuity's not your thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, come on, man! You gotta know what's going on pre-crisis in this world. <laughs> uh, yeah, it gets confusing. It does. It's a giant puzzle, and I think that's one of the things I love about it is like just putting all the puzzle pieces together. But I love also just uh, creators like yourself who are out there creating original stories. It's, it's feels like a medium where people are taking a lot of chances. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like movies or TV or even video games where it's like, I got this cool idea for a story. Now give me millions of dollars to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it can, it, comics can be a little, a little pricey to get into, but it's not like making a movie or a game for sure. Yeah, it, it feels like uh, it's it's one of those things you can take a chance on and not completely go bankrupt. You can certainly try. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey man, if my uh, if my listeners wanted to get a hold of you on uh, online or anything like that, what's the best way for them to find you? Um. Twitter's the easiest. I'm all over there. Uh, I got three handles. I got uh, at Patrick Trahey, uh, all one word, no space. Uh, I'm at uh, Soul Comics, uh, S-O-L Comics. That's sort of my own imprint. Uh, and then I'm also at the 12 underscore comic. That's the Roman numeral 12. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. And uh, you can check out some uh, more of my stuff at soulcomics.com. That's sol-comics.com. Awesome. And everybody remember, you can pick up the 12 on uh, Alterna's Etsy page. I'm sure issue by issue. And then if you would rather get the trade, that'll be out, you said, in December? Yep. Yeah, we're actually like going to be launching a Kickstarter real soon to fund that so that's what i've been doing lately gearing up for that so everybody follow patrick on that and uh you can either donate to the kickstarter or talk to your local comic shop patrick thanks for being on the show i really appreciate it and uh good luck on everything man the book was awesome i really enjoyed it and hopefully we'll hopefully we'll get to talk to you again and uh, mike will be around (laughs) for no no Uh, cool thanks for having me man i appreciate it Thank you.
So everybody, we got Joe Pangrazio with us today. Another Hi, uh, guest on today's show. How's it going today, Joe? Oh, just fantastic. We were just talking for like a solid hour, and we decided we should start recording. It's <laughs> a good idea. Kind of warmed up. So, Joe, you've done a bunch of books. You've done Zombie Barbecue. You've done Cthulhu Homes. You've done K-Fab. I keep saying K-Fab because, you know, Britney Spears rules my world. Right. Um, and you don't know wrestling. <laughs> I don't. It's a legit wrestling term. <laughs> and uh, a bunch of other stuff. So, as we start with all of our guests, let's hear the secret origins. What got you into comics and what got you into writing comics? Or creating comics. Right. Is our term. Um, get into comics. <laughs> that it's that's that's been an old mistress. Um, when I was five, the first memory I have of buying comics was five years old. I had to be watching the nineties X Men at the time. So you and, have the same entry point I do. <laughs> yeah, and like Spider Man. Yeah. Um, but there was a. I live Elba is a small town in Western New York. It doesn't even have a stoplight. So like, there's one stoplight town. So this is a no stoplight town. <laughs> um, but we had a little drugstore. And they had the old little newsstand. And I went in, my grandma took me in, she was getting something. And I saw, I'm like, oh, look, it's X-Men. And my first cover was, my first comic was a Jim Lee cover. It was Executioner's Song with Apocalypse on it when he's in pink. And the first page is Charles Xavier with a techno organic virus all over him dying. And I'm five, <laughs> like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> and um, so I bought, I got some comics back then. And it was like, you know, they did Spider-Man Adventures, which was based on the cartoon, so I got that, X-Men Adventures, and then um, Tops, when we go grocery shopping for a while, did these old two-packs, where it would be old comics, mm -hmm. like maybe six months old, and they just throw it in together, it's like, you know, normally they're five bucks, but it's three bucks for three comics or whatever. Yeah. So I get those, so I got like an issue of X-Men 2099, and like all this randoms. I got Shadowhawk. I don't know what the hell Shadowhawk is. <laughs> but I'm like, Shadowhawk, Shadow and there's a big green guy with a fin on his head. That looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I got that. And that was also when, remember Book It from Pizza Hut? Yes. So that was what I would read a lot of times. I mean, I would read other books. I would read books, too, but I'd read comics. Just had to read 15 minutes a night. Okay, fine. I'll read my comic book. Um, comics are reading. Yeah. And then it was always, I never got a lot. Never got a lot of books. But I also remember when I was like eight. I was talking about this two weeks ago, I think. Um, there used to be Stafford Trading Post, and that was what it was called. It was like a little general store in Stafford. Went in once with my, my dad, and I'm like, oh, and the Spawn toys came out. And all the Spawn toys for the first wave had a comic in them, okay. which was great because they were toys aimed at children with comics, basically made for children, based on a comic not made for children at all. <laughs> so I had a whole bunch of those because they were all jacked up, and I'm like, these are awesome. Go in there. My first issue of Spawn was 37 or 38. And the cover is Spawn in a back alley, snapping someone's wrist with blood shooting out. And something written on the you know alleyway as he's like stepping on another guy whose teeth are jacked up and blood's coming out and everything. And I got that. I was like nine. And uh, I'm yeah. like, it's Spawn. This is the toys. They want Spawn. <laughs> and that also is the comic where uh, Clown is talking about how he wants to end God's reign forever. So it was, it was an interesting time. <laughs> so then Spawn kind of kept me in, where it was like, I didn't really, there were no comic shops around. Mm -hmm. uh, grocery stores wouldn't necessarily carry comics. Like, they did have a spinner rack, but some wouldn't. We moved, so I got top. But I was able to, when we moved to Macedon, the Tops and Parenton had a spinner rack, and every month had the new issue of Spawn. So I kept in Spawn. And then I was like 17 is when I found Lost Worlds in Macedon. Which became something else later on, we won't talk about. Um, and I went in and I got Spawn. And then from there, Spawn, that was when Ultimates came out, so I got Ultimates, and then I started getting back into comics. So then fast forward three or four years, and a former friend is doing 24 hour comic day, where it's like you sit down, 24 hours, you draw a 24 page comic. All right, I'll do it, whatever, fuck it. So I sit down, that's when I first met Chrissy Ambar. It's when I first, no, it's the second time I met Stephen Lindsay, because the first time I met Stephen Lindsay, I had gone like two weeks ahead because he did a signing at Borders, mm -hmm. and he was like, no one's here on board. So I'm like, all right, I'll drive out and see you. So the second time I met Stephen Lindsay. So anyone doesn't know, Chrissy Ambar done a bunch of Bongo comics. 
um, known a lot for his Simpsons work. Uh, he just independent his ba- stuff. Yeah, his baby was Mr. Beat. He yeah. still, he did a lot of licensed work for I Dream of Jeannie. Yeah. For he did a Munsters book. He did a Popeye book for Chester, Illinois, which is the hometown, quote unquote, of Popeye. Mm-hmm. And they dedicated this like they did a big statue of Popeye, and you could get inscriptions. This is deep radio. This is inside baseball, but you could do inscriptions. You could buy inscriptions mm-hmm. on the statue. <clears throat> And he bought for George, his friend, George Broderick Jr., um, great artist. George Broderick Jr., world's greatest comic artist. <laughs> so they go to this big, you know, uh, what I was, dedication, and they unveil the statue, and then he didn't tell George, and George looks up and like, that's my name. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been all over the place. I mean, a lot of people just know him for his Bongo comics. It's the, the best way to get into what he's doing. And then Stephen Lindsay is a local guy who... He's a tattoo artist now. Yes, he's a tattoo artist now, and he did a book called... Jesus Hates Zombies. That's right, for 215 Inc. Originally for Alterna. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that story. I actually found... Our our friend we don't talk about got a sampler from Alterna when they were first kind of starting out. And he's like, he showed me, he's like, well, there's a couple books that look kind of interesting to me. What do you think? I said, Jesus, Jesus Hates Zombies, that one. We should get that one. That's the one we should get. There's also there was also another book in that first batch, and I'm gonna try and make him listen to this. To tell him, Jeff McComsky's Human Smart Bomb. So before Fubar, before Honcho, before these weird historical comics he's doing for the Navy now. Human Smart Bomb. It was like this post-apocalyptic future and this whatever, and it was great. And he stopped doing it. And to this day, I go, I want more, Jeff. Where is it? <laughs> He's like, you're the only... To the point where when he sent me some Fubar stuff, he sent me an original page that he drew from it. Just here. Here, Joe. You're the only one that gives a shit about any of this. <laughs> no one else knows about that book. No one else cares about that book. But I do. And I'm never going to let him forget it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, those were alternative books. That's funny because we're in the middle of an Alterna kind of slam session mm-hmm. uh, where we're working with a bunch of Alterna creators and having them on the show. So that was completely accidental, I swear. <laughs> I know But things. that's interesting. I know things. Yeah. That's why I first learned about Peter Cement. <laughs> He's always a good guy. Like I said, Fubar still is technically, last I knew, of Alterna imprint. And I think that really comes down to Jeff appreciates everything Peter's done for him. Yeah. And so it's like... They still put Fubar it on the homepage. Fubar kind of blew up. And became its own thing, but he always wanted to make sure people knew it was an alternative. Because when you're an indie publisher, that's all you got. Yeah. So you met uh, Lindsay and Yambar. Yes. And actually, um, Young Bluff. Young Bluff. Jason was there. We had him on the show recently. He won't remember me. Great dude. He, I was there with him. Yambar had crashed, I think, or maybe Yambar was still there. I took. <laughs> 24-hour comedy day. So we started at noon. I went till noon the next day. Yeah. And we were in the store all night. So I went with Yambar at like 2 in the morning to get some at Wegmans because he was crashing because he had some, you know, diabetes or whatever. So he had to get food in. And Young Bluff, I was there with Young Bluff until 10 in the morning. He was still drawing. <laughs> like I said, you know, it was but it was a fun. That was, I've always wanted to get another jam session like that together because mm-hmm. it's really fun to have guys in the same room. I mean, Lindsay was done by 5 o'clock. Yeah. He just knocked it out. He's never let me print it, but I have copies of what he drew that day. And that was when I first saw him, because he's one of those guys like, Stephen Lindsay, I love you. That stuff. You never listen to this. Um, but I do love him. I'm emailing it to you, Lindsay. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he was always one of those guys, I can't draw. I can't draw. Like, I have other artists. I'm not a good I can't draw. So then he did this really cool, really funny, actually almost Scotty Young-esque comic strip. Of just vulgarness. It was just foul, foul mouth Chris. I'll let that. It was foul mouth Chris. This eight-year-old kid just cursing up a storm. And um, that sounds like Scotty Young. <laughs> right. I'm like, you should you should put this in print. He's like, no, nobody wants to see that. Now he's a tattoo artist. So yeah, if you ever do listen to this, Lindsay, can't draw, huh, buddy? <laughs> but but yeah, those were good times. And then yeah, it was from there. It was where I kind of, I mean, it wasn't good. I still have it. It might still have it for download on the site. I know I still have a copy of it. It wasn't good. But that's also where I came up with Saul Panley. Because we were talking about Kiss. And I think I came up with Fancy Phil Spectre. Maybe that was year two. I came up with characters that I was that I still use now. 
It'll and be, then I started be, doing comics. It'd be a very interesting concept today because, you know, Western New York, we have a, a decent crowd up here of comic artists. And to get all of them together to kind of talk shop, kind of in the same vein as like a Marvel Summit, yeah, would be fun. <laughs> it would be. Um, the problem is that we are uh, Western New York. Yeah. And so we aren't Rust Belt, but we are Rust Belt, so we don't like being around each other. <laughs> like, we all like each other. There's no bad blood. Yeah. It's just, I don't want to be in a room with you <laughs> for 24 oh, hours. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, <laughs> I'm the biggest homebody around, so yeah, I know what you're saying. But no, I would. I would I, I've always wanted. There's there's a few ideas I want to do, but it's it becomes that thing where do I want to be the guy that runs comic shows or do I want to be the guy that goes to comic shows? And that's a choice to, that... When you're small, you have to make. When you get bigger, you can do both. Because mm-hmm. Yambar, Chris Yambar, here's another thing. I have so many Chris Yambar stories. Um, but for five years, we did a, a comic show in Chris Yambar's front lawn. Yep, I remember that one. And I made money at it every year. Except for the last year when we weren't on Chris Yambar's front lawn. <laughs> um, and so I always wanted to do that. And he could do it, but also it was in his front yard. And he's a special he's a special case. He's he's one of those guys like pa- Eric Powell. Eric Powell is the king of his little town in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yambar is the king of Youngstown, Ohio. Yeah. We don't have a king here. I tried to get there, but there's been some stumbling blocks. <laughs> Not yet. I'm making my moves. <laughs> yeah, get your crown ready, shine <laughs> it up. But yeah, it was actually because when is this? Is this going to come out? Like. Soon, or just if I have to reference the date or not? Oh, uh, tonight. Okay. Yeah. So, September 1st, because you were listening to this whenever you're listening to it. But September 1st is actually my 10-year anniversary of actually making comics myself. So I've been doing this for 10 years. Woo! <laughs> so was that the first day, that 24-hour jam? No, I don't count that, because no. that was just... I mean, I've drawn since I was a kid. Yeah. So that's all that really was, just, ah, let's see. But when I was really like, I'm going to make a story, I'm going to have characters, I'm going to develop things... I count it's, it's a nice count that tenure because it's always things always gestate. Yeah, and I was a writer before that. I have the I wrote the book I pu- ended up publishing after this. I had written before this, yes. the actual novel. Yeah. So, oh yeah, I forgot about that book. Yeah, and I, I I could put out another one if I wanted to. It's just putting it together and editing it. <laughs> yes, That's the for the dirty movie. secret is the amount of work that goes into it. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Sim always says, I'm going to keep name dropping, even though I don't know half of Actually, I know everyone except for Dave Sim so far. Um, <laughs> even though I have received a personal piece of mail from Dave Sim that was signed and drawn to me. But um, his big bitch about when everything went digital was he's like, I, don't, I never learned how to draw digitally. I never learned how to color digitally. I know how to do everything by hand. I could learn how to do all that. But that's time I could just be drawing. Why don't I just have somebody else that knows how to do it do it? <laughs> and it's it's the it's the trick of being a indie guy. You have to be a businessman, you have to be a publisher, you have to be an editor, you have to be a letterer, you have to be, you know. Yeah. I mean we had uh to go with the other spectrum, we had Jonathan Glapion on. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know who that is. No. Um he does all the inks for um uh Greg Capullo. Okay. He's doing better than I am then. The- <laughs> Doing better, most of us. Right. Well, um, I said I didn't know who he was, so I have to give him credit. Yeah, he's obviously better than me. So we had him on. We're talking about it, and he still has like he has this whole station at his desk of just different pens and different brushes, and he inks the old-fashioned way. Okay, but when you work for DC Comics, it's a little bit easier <laughs> to be like, "Here you go." <laughs> but I'll tell you, if you're into it, if you're an inker, if yeah. you're into it, Jason Youngblood, he brought. And it was the, I think he said it was the first time he did it. He brought, like, quill and ink. Not, you know, not a feather, but yeah. a, a loaded pen that you load the actual quill in. And that's how he that's how he drew it. That's when for our family did because he wanted to see, he was trying out a new way to ink. Yeah. So if you're into that part of it where it's like, I'm going to hand, I'm going to ink, I'm going to ink old-fashioned way. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try and, you know, I found brush pens. Brush pens changed my inking game completely. I'm not a real inker, but... Feeling the way that a, even a brush pen versus a brush mm-hmm. is amazing. For the people that are into it, Sim got really into, like, brush inking. 
And there's a way to like, where you want to harden the bristles and you want to cut the bristles because you don't want to lose bristles and you don't want, you have to shape the brush. You don't want them all the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, if you're into it, you're into it, whether you got them, whether you work for DC or whether you're doing yeah. it in your garage. Yeah. But he, he's able to be more prolific for that reason because he doesn't have to worry about all the, that didn't like, like you said, an indie guy in his spot has to then scan it. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Whereas he, he does it and then next, Right. <laughs> yes. It's always in life. It's always easier when someone else is cutting the check. That's my, my the way my dad's. My dad's self employed. He goes. There's a difference between make earning a living and earning a paycheck. Yep. And I kind of like earning a paycheck, <laughs> but I'm also the guy that I earn the paycheck and then I go home and try to earn a living. So <laughs> makes two of us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what was the first book or comic strip or anything that you? did after you started thought crimes that was my first that was my first was the website that was and that was those are stick figures no that was meat sticks that was the second idea I had. okay the first idea i had was because i was a real big even before this i was really into um least i could do and control alt delete and something positive which are all web comics uh -huh. they're web strips <clears throat> and the one thing they all have in common was they're all groups of friends. They were at the time. They're all groups of friends in their twenties, that were fictionalized versions of the creators. Okay. So that's what Thought Crimes was. It was me, at the time, my buddy Mark. Mark. No one's gonna get that joke except me. Um, Those are the best jokes. And Rich, if I, I might send this to Rich because Rich was in it too. And then I, I brought in Ivan later, and I would do other things too. I'd have like little spot gimmicks that were in there. Um, that was when I started doing a Macho Man strip. And it was just crazy, like, Macho Man spouting philosophical garbage that we decided to do every once in a while. Um, and it was, like, and I actually thought about, I've redrawn that first strip twice. I did. I drew it the first time, and then I've redrawn it. And I was thinking about redrawing it again. Because it was based on a real event. First strip I ever did was BP, the main character, and Mark, M-A-R-C-C, -C, because why not? Um... Go to the store. BP is kind of making eyes at the, at the cashier. She's cute. Like, hey, what's going on? Slides his card. And it's denied. And then there's a huge slam. At which point Mark goes, what was that? And BP goes, that would be her vagina snapping shut. <laughs> Based on a true story. Went to the store. <laughs> kind of making googly eyes at the cashier. She was kind of reciprocating. And it it wasn't even that I didn't have money. It was something weird. It was one of those times where it was like the car needed to get activated again or something, yeah. or something stupid. But denied. And I could see the look on her face like, oh, no, never no. <laughs> <laughs> And we do that. And then it's, it just, it was all these inside jokes. I mean, he, the second, then we're walking, then the second strip is us walking out. This isn't what happened next, but it's another story we had where when he was a kid, he had this cardboard cutout of Danny DeVito as the penguin. And he was one of those kids where, like, the, his parents had a video camera, so he'd make little home movies for himself. Mm -hmm. So he made this video where he was Batman, and he had, like, thrown some toy jewelry on the penguin. And he's like, oh, no, it's the penguin. He's got the jewels. <laughs> so that video existed. Then when they were teenagers, him and some of his other friends, he showed them that. He's like, it was a stupid video I made when I was a kid. So then they made a video parodying that. <laughs> So then I made a comic strip where she's just like, you know, I'm saying her vagina snapshot. Why are you embarrass me in public like that? At which point, BB just goes, oh, no, it's the penguin. He's got the jewels. And then Mark's got this haphazardly Batman costume thrown on. Just going like, get those jewels back, penguin. <laughs> Jesus. It was goofy. It was just goofy shit. It was fun. Yeah. I love stupid ideas. <laughs> so, you know, you, you jumped from, what did you say the book was? It was the... On the stick figures? So I was doing thought crimes. Yeah. Then I had the idea to do pornographic philosophers. But I didn't want to do a porn comic. So I made them stick figures because the idea of stick figure porn is hilarious to me. Okay. Because it's stick figure porn. <laughs> so you don't see anything. There's no value to it from an erotic point of view. Kind of like Team America World Police, the, the sex scene with the puppets. Yes, but like, I'm trying <laughs> to think of, I guess it would have been after that. Would but it, it was okay? also, I think so. I think that came out when I was still, like, right after high school. So this was a couple years later. 
But it was also the fact that, like, they'd be talking about moral equivalencies while supposedly they're, you're watching them have sex. <laughs> and then that went right off the rails and just stopped being that completely. Because I, I, then I made a Hunter S. Thompson character and he just became the star. Him and Groucho Marx became the star of the whole story. Because they're the most fun to do. Because Groucho was just, it was Groupo Marx because they all had porno names. Um, <laughs> and then a lot of it was political because it was just, I had to get it out somewhere. I had, I had Nixon where it was a flasher and his dick was literally Nixon's head. So he'd hold open his trench coat and there'd be Nixon's face. Just, Wah! Oh, that was good times. That was also when I made, I had, uh, around Christmas, I would always do an end of the world story because I watched History Channel. And History Channel, from Christmas, from <laughs> the beginning of December to Christmas is Hitler. From Christmas to New Year's is the end of the world. That's what it always used to be. I don't know what they do now. It's all aliens, I'm sure. Alien Hitler. Um, Ancient alien Hitler. <laughs> Ancient alien astronaut theorists say yes. Um, but yeah, and that's where I did I did a strip that I did, an idea that I thought was funny for years where it's just um, the Antichrist and Jesus just sharing an apartment, getting mad at their dads because neither one want to do what their dads want. And Jesus is kind of has a crush on the Antichrist because Jesus being gay is always funny. Um, and then God and Satan just are like, man, kids these days, I don't know. That's where I did my God. My God would have the face of all the great philosophers of our time. You know, Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, Bill Hicks, <laughs> Richard Pryor, <laughs> great philosophers of our time. That was Thought Crimes. Thought Crimes ran for a long time. I still always dredge them up every once in a while. It's their first love. First love has to be, you know, the best. Yeah, I remember you always had fun with that one. I did. Meat Sticks was, I mean, I liked Meat Sticks yeah. a lot, too. So where along the line does Cthulhu Holmes jump in? I know that's the big passion right now. That was when I was working at the gas station. I was still doing Meat Six. I was still doing Thought Crimes. Meat Six, by the way, is the origins of Ted the Zombie. That's where Ted the Zombie's born. Okay. Ooh, Ted the Zombie, possibly my favorite character I've ever created. <laughs> um, that was literally just one of those things where I was just sketching. I just started sketching again just whenever. And then I was doing overnight shift, and I was sitting there, and I just drew this weird squid head guy. And I was literally trying to come up with names like Mr. Squidhead or something just goofy. And I was like, you could be a detective. Cthulhu Holmes. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> That's Cthulhu Holmes. And then it was, it was, I drew that and I went to LongCon because it was, I wanted to make a, re, you know, a quote unquote real comic book, not this webcomic stuff. Um, and I liked Scott Hall. I liked his, not Razor Ramon, but the comic artist Scott Hall of Michigan. Um, he hates he hates when people say that but listen Scott Razor Ramon is more famous than you you gotta live with it there was a more famous Joe Pengrazio and I have to live with it um, but I liked his style and I wanted to I wanted Jimmy originally Jimmy Proctor because Jimmy is a good guy has a great style and just Scott will do his own stuff Jimmy won't so mm -hmm. I wanted to give Jimmy something to do but it's Jimmy, so he didn't do anything. So I talked to Scott about it. And he's like, yeah, cool, we'll do that. And we did it. And the, the original plan, because that was when Freak Angels was coming out, which was a, um Avatar book by Warren Ellis. And I hate I can't think of the artist because he has a beautiful, uh, damn, I'm not going to say I'm not gonna say his name because I'm going to say it wrong if I say it. Duffin? I said I wasn't going to say it. Um, I lied. But it's beautiful. Freak Angels, so go get it if you can, because it's beautiful. But the way they did it was, once a week, they drop five pages or six pages, depending. And that's how they serialized it for four or five years. Until the story ended. And I'm like, let's do that. Every week, get people on the site for five or six pages. Once you have enough for a trade or a single issue, trade, really. Put out the trade. So I told Scott this. Okay. I said, you know, I told him, we'll, we'll take as long as you need to take. There's no rush on it mm -hmm. until you have a backlog. And then we can, because once we start putting them out, I don't want to miss a week. Yeah. Because it's building up consistency and building up an audience and all that other stuff. And artists are artists. You know, and I'm a cartoonist, so I kind of know that. I'm like half an artist. Um, 
Art would be very upset with me for saying that. Darwin Cook would be very upset with me for saying that. Artists, cartoonists are good people. But um, <laughs> he he wanted to start putting them out because he just you know it's it's hard when you're working in a vacuum. Yeah, and that's how a lot of projects die to the vacuum because if you're not getting any feedback, you just like no one cares. No one cares but me. And sure, I care. This is a lot of time to put into something if no one's gonna care about it. So that's where we started doing three pages a week. I do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because that was what Control Glee used to do. Good. We did that for six months, and he got kind of burned out. So, all right, we'll stop there, Scott. We'll finish his story. Then we can put out your book, which is the book that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jimmy, Jimmy was all upset that the film was going to end. So I'm like, doesn't have to. <laughs> if you want to do it. And then Jimmy did another 120 pages or whatever it is. Jimmy got burned out. <laughs> and then home has just become whatever I come back to whenever I do it. You know, whether I do it as a strip or whether I do full full pages. He's just one of those ideas that pops around. So you've done one trade of that. Yes. And that was Scott's stuff. Yes. But Jimmy's stuff has never been printed. And Jimmy's stuff will never be printed. Okay. But those pages may see print someday. Not, not Jimmy's pages. Because in case Jimmy hears this, I'm not going to print your stuff, Jimmy. Doesn't, I'm very, as an indie creator, I have to be very pro-creator rights. If someone doesn't want their stuff in print, you can't print it. Same reason I never printed Palm Off Chris, even though I want to so badly because I think it's funny. But no, if someone says they don't want to print it, you can't put it in a print. But, you know, they might get redrawn. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what the future may hold? And so you revisit that character here and there. Have approach any other artists to continue it into a third volume yes but artists like to get paid that like, is a problem I, <laughs> I like to get paid but no one pays me for doing my own books so it's one of those things it's it's yambar has always been very fortunate and part of that is his hard work i don't want to diminish anybody he gets stuff in print yeah so an artist is willing to forego payment because yambar will be like you know, I'm not going to give any trade secrets, but I'm basically, you do the book, you get a portion, you get paid in books, yeah. and then you get back end. There you go. And they're happy, because it's very great. I get books, I get books, so I can go to shows, and I have some, I have work to show. Yep. It's great. For whatever reason, I have a harder time finding guys that want to do it. Or guys that say, like, yeah, let's do it. And then it just never goes anywhere. <laughs> it's funny, because uh, you saying that, I just uh listeners know that i've been working on a project for a while now and i went from a mutual friend of ours mm-hmm. who i won't mention yeah. um and she was into it and then i don't have time for it right okay i appreciate that i appreciate you taking time to look at it and give me your feedback yeah and then we had a friend's <clears throat> was like a friend's cousin who did good work he's done work for us on the show and he was all about it. I want to start doing comics. I want to do this and that. We were talking back and forth. It was great. And then one day, just gone. <laughs> so that's when I took to the board. And I was like, fuck it. I got the money. And I'm paying somebody. And I'm paying somebody now. And it's, it, yeah, it's tough as a writer. Because it's like, I put in all this work and always pay me for it. But I fork out money for this guy. Mm-hmm. And I get one to get paid for your work. Paid for your art. Artist spends way more time on a project than I do. Right. But yeah, it's tough. And I get that. It's, and it's it's one of those things where it's it's a passion play. You know, it's a passion yeah. project for anybody involved. And it's, people get in their heads, you know, well, I'd rather work on my own stuff. Great. Work on your own stuff. What frustrates me is that when, when it's someone I care about. And they're like, well, I'm going to work on my own stuff. Okay, cool. They never put anything out. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, I'll pull you out. I'll be a work mule. I'll pull you along. Like, I'll give you something to draw, and then let's do it. And then you get all the credit because you're doing, you, everyone sees what you do. Yeah. <laughs> you get your money. Love it. But it's, it's you know, and it's, we were talking before. I'll say it on here. I don't care. You can't make money in comics. You can. But it's not the way it was. Mm-hmm. You're not, even if guys are working at Marvel and DC, you're not making... The big bucks. Now, if I was hired from Marvel or DC, 
I could live within my means and probably make a living, quote unquote. Yeah. But my bar is much, much lower than a lot of professionals who have been in the commercial art field. I mean, that's, we lost, um, the astonishing X-Men. Why can't, uh, can't I want to say Joss Whedon. It's not Joss Whedon. Um, is it, uh, Cassidy. John Cassidy. Did Astonishing X-Men. Yeah. He doesn't do comics anymore because he can do professional, he can do commercial work for movies. And they pay better and they pay more consistently. Yes. So he does storyboards, he does character designs. It's Jim Lee between the video games and movies and cartoons. That's why he doesn't do comic work anymore. Because those pay better and they pay more consistently. (laughs) And you're not bent over killing your back at a drawing table or a syntech now. Driving yourself nuts. <laughs> There's the infamous Jack Kirby quote that's beautiful because of how crushing it is. <laughs> I was, there was an artist, and he was a fine artist, had a background in fine art. And he was doing some comic pages, and he was at a convention in the 80s. And Kirby was looking at his portfolio, and he's like, this is, this is great stuff. This is really great stuff. What do you, you, know, you want to do with it? And he goes, well, I'd like to make comics. And Kirby just stands up and looks at him. Don't do comics, kid. Comics will break your heart. And if anybody knows, it's Jack Kirby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's a tough business. It. Yeah. You love it. RVP car. It's just words and pictures. You can do anything with words and pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you're sitting in your bedroom after developing something and then waiting on an artist to bring in page whatever and the colors to bring in blah, 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 blah. And you're sitting there going, all right, printer time. And you're looking at the printers and what are my margins just to make my money? (laughs) Just to not starve. (laughs) You know that you're doing something you want to do. You talk to to small guys that do shows, comic conventions. Sometimes they're just trying to get gas money to get home. (laughs) Let me just sell enough to get home. Yeah. I've been there and I've done it. I always got home. But <laughs> there was some there was some tough times. So you got okay, you got that. You've done a few anthology books, I guess we'll call them. Yes. Um, That's what they are. Okay, so they are that. Uh, I know Zombie Barbecue is a little of a different kind of anthology. Zombie Barbecue is a Chris Yambar idea that was born out of Long Con that we've been sitting on for Eight years, <laughs> because he came. We were talking about. It. He's like, people love zombies. People love barbecue. Do zombie barbecue. Okay, and that was when Lindsay was still doing books. I was going to try and get him to do a story, and I had a story that I did with the great Rob. I'm going to say his name wrong, but I love him. Krubenberg. Um, he's got a couple books out in previews. He's got, but he's from Europe. But he's got some stuff out in America, and he actually did third volume of Jesus Hate Zombies? The last volume of Jesus Hate Zombies, whatever number it was. Um, that was Rob. And he's he's a superstar. I love him. Um, I've known him for almost 10 years. But I had a story from him, and then I had some Ted the, Zo- I had a Ted the Zombie story. And, you know, Yambar, I was always going to try and get Yambar to do a story, and I wanted Jimmy to do a story. But it was one of those things that just never hit right. It just never... It was one of those that Yambar came up with, and he goes, here, you do it, I don't care. Come up with that. Ideas are free. <laughs> come up with ideas all day. Just a matter of how much time you want to put into them. And then it finally came around where he had this short story that he had shopped around and he had almost sold to a couple places and then just never gotten print. And he goes, I want to do zombie barbecue. I'm like, can I put my stuff in it? Yeah. All right, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> so there's zombie barbecue. I have, I have as many stories in that book as Yambar does, which is very rare for any Yambar book. It's not a barbecue, if I remember. It's been a while since I read it, but you, there's comics in there. Yes. There's a few short stories as well. That's correct. The, that's the that's the short story he was trying to shop around. Okay. Back when uh, I think it was Moonstone Publishing was originally who he wrote that for, and was gonna be in something because they were like a you know the way that Zenoscope does like fairy tale horrors. Yep. They were horror, so they wanted this short story. They were gonna put into one of their books in a comic book, but you know short story with spot illustration. So that's what he finally was like. I'll put it in my own book. Put it on barbecue. Oh, cool. And then uh, kayfabe. Kayfabe. 
Just said right this time. Yeah! That is a, a wrestling anthology. Yes. Which is your other big passion. Ish. I love wrestling. <laughs> I love wrestling. When I was a kid, I loved wrestling. I was super into wrestling. I don't, I don't watch it now, unfortunately. But dude, I, I was watching it in the Attitude Era. I was watching it in the Golden Years. Yeah. So <laughs> I have fond memories of that. I still love the business. But yeah, that's, that's Michael Myers. Michael Myers is a letterer. Michael Myers is blowing up, and there's chances if you are reading any indie book, you are at least reading one book that Michael Myers has lettered. Um, he's a superstar. Um, this was actually the second volume he'd put out. I didn't know him when he did volume one. Otherwise, I would have been like, can I be in volume one? <laughs> and volume three is in the works. So, okay. debating whether I want to try and go for that. <laughs> Which... I did buy. I did read a little bit of it. Not for me. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, because it's but, not. It's yeah. not real wrestlers. It's all. It's. It's. You know. It's fanfic for wrestling and comics. It's. Yeah. It's a special beast. Yeah. But that cover, though, I love that cover. <laughs> the cover is fantastic. <laughs> I mean, if the whole book was just that, I'd be fine with it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it. I gotta assume if you're a wrestling guy, it's gonna be more up your alley. Um, but I was never. Outside of playing the video games, <laughs> I was never a wrestling guy, so... And it's an anthology book. I mean, anthologies are always tough in America, but the, the, the upside of anthologies are, if you don't like one story, there's a chance you'll like something else. Yeah. Because it's all different people. Yeah, it always shocks me that anthologies don't work out uh, here in the States, because I love anthologies, personally, especially when DC or Marvel do, like, a uh, holiday-based mm-hmm. anthology. Mm-hmm. But even... um. Aftershock did a big one recently, and actually, speaking of Young Blood, Young Blue, he's doing one right now called Peak. Okay. Um, and there's a few others out there, but they're always fun. Yeah. Short one, two, to eight page stories. Yeah. In and out. The theory I've heard, and it's just a theory for comic writers. Who mm-hmm. knows? The big reason why they never caught on in America is because we don't rely on public transit. There's, 2000 AD is the king of British comics. 2000 mm-hmm. AD is an anthology. For those that don't know, 2000 AD is where Judge Dredd comes from. They take the subway everywhere. They take buses. They take taxis. So you always want to have some reading material. So again, you pick something up, and you know for the longest time they still had newsstands. So you pick something up. All right, I read half the stuff in here, but it gets me to work and gets me home. That's worth it. Yeah. You know? Good theory. And 2008, I just started a ballad of Halo Jones, which was an Alan Moore book story in 2008 that was serialized in its anthology weekly. Oh, a lot of good stuff came out in 2008. <laughs> in fairness, a lot of good stuff probably still is, and I'm just not reading it. Yeah. Because here's the other little secret I'll tell you. more you make comics, the less you read them. <laughs> And it's not out of anger or spite. It's just purely out of time. We're just like, you know what? I'll do my own thing. <laughs> I've watched my pull list just dwindle down. Here's, here's the tough part. So, I am an avid reader. Mm-hmm. You know my pull list. Yeah. I am just jumping into, dipping my toes, if you will, into creating... And we're also doing this. Right, right. right. Yes. (laughs) So I have less and less time to read them. Uh But I have to read them or else I can't talk about them. Right. Now that, that's the problem. (laughs) See, that's where, you know, I stream with my buddy. I stream, but I stream video games. So that's completely separate from everything I do. I don't have to do any research for that. (laughs) And that's, and we can talk about that next. Because that's where, um, starting this coming weekend, if you're listening to this, when it comes out. I'm going to be streaming Spider-Man. And that was solely out of, I never have time to play video games. I want to play this goddamn game. And I get to create content while doing it. So here's the dirty (laughs) secret I'll tell you about streaming. Once you start streaming video games, if you enjoy it, because I enjoy it, you'll find that you enjoy it. But then you'll find there's times where you sit down and you start that console up and you go, I want to just play a game for me again. (laughs) I don't want this to have to be something that goes out to the world. Because that's actually um, the game we're streaming that we have one session left and we're putting it off because we know it's done once we do this. <laughs> Divinity Original Sin. Extent Enhanced Edition. It's on the Xbox One. 
Um, it's by Larian Studios. You know the second one's coming out soon, right? It's on pre-order for right now. <laughs> yeah. um, I know. Uh, I say all that because every time I tweet it out, Larian Studios, the actual developer, likes that tweet. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, guys. Um, but we have one left. And that's, for those that don't know, it's basically a D&D ripoff. Uh, it's a fantasy yep. RPG. You're playing four party members. Boulder's Gate-style video game. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've been looking for the next thing to get into. Next game we're going to hop on to. Because we could just go into the second one, but there's importance in doing different things mm-hmm. and not just being the same thing all the time. And we do three-hour sessions, so that can be rough. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to have a little hour session here or there. So... A game I had picked up when it was on sale, excuse my buddy Chuck, I do it with my buddy Chuck, and he's like, Titanfall 2, get Titanfall 2, it's cheap, and I play it, I have it, so we can play it. All right, cool. And uh, I played through the campaign, he's like, yeah, I'll play the campaign first. All right, cool, played it, I enjoyed it. And then I'm like, well, you know, you haven't played it in a while, I've never played multiplayer, so it'll be fun to get into it together and do it again. And we, did we stream the first one? I think we streamed the first one. And all of a sudden, or maybe we shoot the second one, but that first time we load back in, I haven't played FPS in years at this point. <laughs> and I start running, and all of a sudden, pop, headshot, pop, headshot, pop. I'm like, oh, I forgot how good I am at that. <laughs> and I told him, I go, because, you know, we all have lives and stress, and, you know, you find ways to cope with it, and I don't drink or do drugs, and, you know, not all women return my calls. So I have to put it into something. So video games, I've realized, I remember, oh yeah, shooting people at FPS is what used to calm me down a lot. <laughs> and it was, we streamed once, and then I, I streamed once by myself, and then I'm like, I went to put it out, I'm like, I'm just going to play for me right now. <laughs> this is just for me. So playing multiplayer for a week, and I've already prestiged once. <laughs> so... So... <laughs> Yeah, all ties in. It's all that's what it's, it is anymore. You can't just be. I mean, you can be a comic creator, but you can't just be a comic creator. No, you, you can't, can't do, just be a podcaster. You can't just be one thing anymore. You can't do one thing. It's got to be a thousand things, and yeah. then you got to build a network. And it, yeah, it's a ton of work, but it's awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> I don't fun. know how else to put it. It's fun on its own, and if you can get a couple of nickels out of it, it's real fun. Yeah, and that's the key right there. Getting a couple of nickels. Yeah, I got one. So you find the other. I keep dropping my nickels somewhere. They go away. <laughs> um, so all this stuff we talk about, you're here to promote it, obviously. So where can people find it all? No, no, no. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> JoePank.com. J-O-E-P-A-N-C.com. Um, I actually, in anticipation of this, got my store all nice and shimmied up. I got a square store on the site. Um, I have some books there. But I also put up last night, if you want commissions, they're digital on the store. They're priced to be digital. So, you know, a commission, I'll draw you something, I'll email it to you. If you want a hard commission, you know, whether it be canvas paper or whatever, I don't care. Um, that, you can actually email me direct. There's info on the site for all that. Um, and I also, <laughs> I do Heroclix stuff on the site too. Because yeah. I'm into Heroclix, which is a miniatures gaming thing. But I do content for that. <laughs> And you have all your books on there for sale? Yes, except for Cthulhu Holmes, because Cthulhu Holmes is out of print right now. But I'm working on getting it into print. <laughs> Remember when I said at the beginning of this, we talked for an hour? <laughs> <laughs> cool. And what's the Twitch site? Uh, Joe Pank, I think. So twitch.tv slash You can Joe find Pank. it. If you go to JoePank.com, you can find everything. If you look for me, I'm on Instagram, JoePank36. Cthulhu Holmes on Twitter. I mean, if you can, you can pretty much find me as Joe Pank. Anywhere or add a three six after, <laughs> or search. If you feel brave, I mean, go to my site, see my name, search my name. There's like five people that have it in the world, <laughs> so one of them's bound to be me. That's always an interesting one. I don't want people to Google me because there's two of us, <laughs> and one I'm not gonna say, but he may or may not be related to me, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's been constantly getting in trouble with the law. <laughs> Which is a lot of fun when I need to apply for a new job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would imagine so. But Joe, thanks for being on. Thanks for taking some time. Thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully we'll do this again sometime. Yeah. Next time I'll, I'll tell you about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.